0: Hey everyone, welcome back. Today, we're going to talk about the nature of psychedelic insights, and not just that, but something much broader, the nature of perhaps insights in general. And um, we'll touch a little bit on the problem uh, of the concept of delusions and possibly more, whatever I come up with as we go, I suppose. So I find this topic particularly interesting and kind of important because um, there's a lot of debate around this topic. There is this kind of assumption that, that if you have insights or that... Or that, I don't know, what I've heard is that people think you take something like a psychedelic and then you experience this sense of false insightfulness. And I don't really think that that's the case. That might be possible, but I think it's important to look at just the general Nature of insights. So, uh, here we go. Hi, welcome. This is Quirky Science. to bring up about this, I guess, is that uh, what the effect is of these chemicals. In my opinion, I think that they, that as we go about our daily lives, we are sucked into these mental scripts that, uh, not even just mental, but behavioral scripts, we, do everything based on how we learn to do it and the purpose of learning is to kind of automate and push things to the side so that you're not consciously processing those things anymore so for example we learn to drive consciously at first and then we learn how we can Basically, zone out while we drive or many people daydream or whatever else. So much of our lives are lived in this kind of autopilot, right? You've probably heard this idea before that psychedelics might kind of rip us out of our autopilot state. So normally the kind of things that psychedelics might help with treating mentally, things like PTSD or addiction, these might be kind of a situation in which someone has found themselves to be trapped in these kind of automatic mental processes. That's not to say that they're unaware, though. People are aware of what's going on. It's just very hard to get yourself to stop Responding automatically either with fear in the case of PTSD or uh, in the case of addiction it is kind of a combination of things. It is coping with stress and also chasing uh, perhaps a euphoric sensation or just kind of maintaining a stable uh, consistency of your mood or something like that. And so the thing is, we are in a society, right? That is kind of the meme that circulates our uh, our uh, current era that we are trapped in a society. So the thing about society is that society teaches us how to think, right. We are using the language of the society. We are um, behaving within the scripts that society has given us. And if we are to deviate from this, that is when we find problems. But why? Why would there be problems deviating from it? Now, we'll get into that in a little bit. Let's get into the idea that psychedelics induce insights so there is this meme right, that people take something like LSD and they find some fantastic insight some new way of seeing the world and then there is people who think that the drugs turn you crazy that they produce a false sense of insight that you will believe anything or believe absurd things under the influence of these drugs. So, here's what I think about this, though. I don't think that that is the case. I think that, instead, I think insights are generally problematic. We follow a culture That teaches us things that they're essentially the insights of our ancestors, right? We learn the science that has been evolving over the course of thousands of years. And we learn ways of life and ways of cooking, ways of doing things based on things that were discovered long ago. And so... The thing is, it's actually very hard to have good insights. We teach people, well, we basically have a system of academia, right? And that system trains people on becoming experts in whatever field they study. And we are essentially taught to stop... uh, giving credence to our own insights early on because much of the insights that children have are not so great. And with academia, they teach us exactly how we should have an insight. They teach us all of the necessary precursor information and all of the insights of the past that... that the field or the teacher or the professors think is necessary in order for us to have an insight that is valuable at all. So think about that. It is that we are naturally very bad at having insights and that we are trained and conditioned with a mental script that tells us to reject our own uh, frivolous insights now, what I think happens is that the drug may remove these scripts that tell us to stop having these insights. So instead of generating random insights, I think it is, it is not that the chemical is doing that generation, is more like we have become disinhibited that all of the training of the academic world that told us we are not expert enough to form opinions and conclusions that has been temporarily turned down. And so I don't think it makes a person any more right or wrong instead, it just makes them think at all. We aren't we typically don't think that many thoughts. We think perhaps there there are some socially sanctioned forms of thinking like we we are allowed to think about what, what things about usually other people's behavior, right? We can come to somewhat absurd psychologizations of other people. That's kind of like the realm in which we're still allowed to think freely to some degree. We can think about suspicions of other people's behavior or um, other people's motives or intentions, and we gossip about that. So all the kinds of things that we tend to talk about in daily life, those things are permitted. But when it comes to something like the nature of reality, much of us are told by religion and by academia that we are too foolish to to do that. And I don't think that's a good way to go about thinking of the world. I think it would be better if people could just think freely for themselves and keep thinking wrong ideas until they come up with something better. But it's complicated because we also... Our culture kind of promotes uh, not being stupid, basically. If an idea is something that someone disagrees with, we punish it. We have a kind of dominantly authoritarian idea culture. And I think if we could change that, then maybe, uh, maybe we would be able to think more freely without consequences. Uh, Part of the problem with this authoritarian style is that this leads us to, uh, if... It pushes everyone to become more authoritarian. So we see, for example, the rejected conspiracy theorists and stuff like that. They're coming up with alternative insights about reality, right? And those people are called a fool and told to stop thinking that way. And then they start calling everyone else a fool. It is something that I've observed to be very mirror-like and I think that for the lone thinker the lone individualistic thinker that person has pressure to to use authoritarian strategies to kind of uh, gain intellectual status among their peers Because it is too hard to educate the public on, say, like things like, say, vaccines or whatever topic, like as we see right now in the case of the pandemic, everyone is divided on topics like that. So instead, we uh, resort to more authoritarian religion-like strategies where we tell people what they should think and tell and punish people with uh, kind of stigma if they don't submit to the popular ideas. Or not even just the popular ideas, even the unpopular ideas, like how I mentioned the conspiracy theorists, those people stigmatize those outside of their bubble by calling them sheeple, right? But I think that it is simply the nature of insights in general to be things that we suck at. We are not, we don't have a contact with actual reality, actual external reality, right? Instead, we have flawed senses. It is like the whole cave allegory by Plato, right? And I think that psychedelics might help people go back to their tendency to wonder about what reality is actually like. And so then this might facilitate someone to uh, find absurd rationalizations or conclusions about reality. Especially if you give the chemical to someone who is not an expert They will start to form conclusions as if they uh, are permitted to, right? Uh, So in our culture, in essence, the idea here is that our culture only allows those with expertise on something to come to conclusions on their own. And just just the mere lack of expertise... By those who are consuming these chemicals, this will lead to very non-expert-like opinions on various topics. Whatever they think about, they become free like a child again. They are no longer conditioned like the addict. They are no longer uh, in fear of the trauma of being labeled stupid for their ideas, and so they thus uh, think freely without the fear of persecution again and then that allows them to adopt an idea that might get them persecuted and then that is when we see the crazy ideas that some people come up with right and then they get persecuted and then people say that uh psychedelics make you stupid or something like that, but it's it's more like people have just simply been stupid the whole time that actually, in fact, we are all very stupid about so many things. And that is just something that we have to face and learn how to deal with and confront. And uh, this kind of gets into the problem that we see with... Uh, schizophrenia and the nature of delusions. I, I don't like the way that we conceptualize delusions because it kind of assumes some kind of... Uh, well, I feel it is, it is just part of this authoritarian knowledge game. We call people who don't submit to the authoritarian uh, knowledge base, this kind of religious scientism, uh, we call them delusional. That's only one type of delusion, I'll clarify, but it is the particular one that bothers me the most. Now, I am not even an anti-vaxxer or a flat-earther or not even really a conspiracy theorist although I do think that there are some true conspiracies and I do think there are uh, risks to vaccines that are understated Um, but but I'm not really part of those cultures I don't really read so much about various conspiracies and Uh, So, but the thing is I don't think that that means that an authoritarian dogmatic way of spreading supposed scientific knowledge is the right way to go about it that's my problem with this and then the idea of delusions it kind of assumes some kind of ...objective reality for one. And it also... They, they tend to argue... People tend to argue that... That something like religion... Is not delusional, right? Because of... They, they define delusion as something that is... Contrary to our... To the dominant culture... And that's also problematic because we don't necessarily label people who are non-religious as delusional, right? And so it kind of becomes this, uh, like, so there's this meme that I've I've made about Galileo for as an example, where Galileo, it's the It's that from that one show, uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you know, the conspiracy meme, right, where he is connecting all these papers and he looks really paranoid and crazy. and uh, It's like that is Galileo trying to convince the flat earth world that the earth might be round or whatever. And... um, so the other thing is there is a different kind of delusion that might be more suited for this term, perhaps. Like maybe these paranoid tendencies that people get uh, if they are becoming increasingly psychotic. Those kind of delusions might be Maybe a more justified, uh, I guess, uh, something that fits in the category of delusion. But even then, I feel like that only reveals the relative nature of people's perspectives. Someone who is feeling okay and fine, and they trust people around them, There's no reason for them to be paranoid, but if someone feels that or they believe in a perspective that people are bad or uh, that they believe in a kind of Machiavellian universe, those people are likely to become more paranoid, right? And I think the more threatened or harmed someone feels, the more that those kind of delusional perspectives will escalate and there'll be a stark contrast in the way that that person perceives the people around them compared to the person that feels safe with those same people that both both of those individuals might be surrounded by and so the secure person might think that the unsecure person is delusional right because they feel safe and the other person doesn't but I think that there's some amount of relativity there. And I've kind of experienced that myself. Um, I don't know how deeply I should go into that rabbit hole. I guess, I, I guess I'll do it. Um, something I used to notice when I would become paranoid on cannabis is that People would actually treat me differently in that state. I noticed that, for example, I would become suddenly more submissive. I would become almost wimpy. I would talk softer. I would talk quieter. And I would speak with words that were much more self-doubting and more... Uh, just generally submissive, I would say. And I have one time, okay, before I get into that actually, so I would notice that people would act more dominating on when I was in those states of mind. And uh, one of the times I decided to actually experiment with this, I decided to just go into the conversation with a more dominant Uh, way of holding myself and this actually dramatically altered the person's behavior literally from one second to the next I went from speaking softly and quietly and kind of feminine in a way and then in the next moment I spoke like more like hey how's it going and just like very more loud and confident and dominant and all of that, and the other person actually turned submissive relative to me. They started speaking more softly than I, and more softly than they were when I was speaking softly. It was kind of shocking to me, kind of disturbing even, because it showed me that a lot of the way people respond to other people in the world is almost entirely based on, on that, something like tone of voice. It isn't based on what I experience necessarily. It's not based on what my position in reality is. Like, if I seem innocent or guilty, it doesn't really seem to be based on... Like, like for example, if I tell someone a story in which they are not involved in and they have no... Uh, they have no contact to that situation and I'm describing it in this very submissive tone, I think that they will more likely be biased to, or if you speak guilty, for example, they will probably begin to doubt the things that you are saying. And so if you feel guilty or act guilty or act scared of being judged or persecuted, that will drive the other people that you are speaking to, to kind of twist their perspective on What is going on with you? So if you are afraid that you will be, say, gaslighted or uh, framed or scapegoated, someone who's been traumatized in that way, those people might be prone to adopt this kind of scared mindset at any point where they feel that they might be in that situation again, right? That's kind of the nature of PTSD, And with people that do that, they might actually find themselves in a self-fulfilling prophecy. They might find themselves actually being scapegoated. And they might, uh, the person who's looking at them, tell this story. They'd be like, I don't know, you're acting suspicious. I don't know if I trust what you're saying. I think you might be lying to me because you're acting kind of guilty and suspicious like that will be their kind of intuitive way of assessing you and so they might just question you they might start asking what like well are you sure though i don't know are you sure like that kind of uh, demeanor and then you will become if you are the person who is having this persecution mentality that you'll be persecuted or scapegoated, you will become more defensive, more uh, kind of guarded and more suspicious to the other person. And I think that a lot of people are kind of trapped in those situations, unfortunately, and I've found myself in those cases In my own experience, um, I've had that happen with my own family where I would develop these kind of paranoid, depressive uh, assumptions about the way that I was perceived by my family around me. And there might have been some truth in the beginning, but then the escalation and rumination of my own mind led to uh, the development of all these persecutory mentalities. Like I become more paranoid every time I was in the presence of those family members and I would just let it fester. They They would see my paranoia and then I became convinced that they think I'm paranoid because I'm doing something very bad or that I am like smoking crack or something like that I that's what I was assuming and the more that that would develop I, I almost felt like it would be too weird for me to suddenly not be acting paranoid so I felt this pressure to behave continuously to behave uh just some sense of continuity with identity to this persecutory behavior, right? And so I think this is an underlooked problem with delusions is this kind of weird relative nature of experience. I don't think it is that the delusional person. I don't think that it is unreasonable. I think it is actually problematically reasonable in their circumstance. I think the that someone can find themselves deeply in what seems to be so uh, deviated from reality, but and I think it gets more complex because I think part of what happens with fear is that people can experience these weird episodes of dissociation and disconnection from their memory, and that's when probably the most extreme type of delusions arise, like things like the Truman Show delusion or that people in their lives are imposters and have been replaced or possessed or things like that. I think those classical strange delusions are... Possible, but I think that they're rare for people that are sober, kind of, or without brain damage. I think those probably arise more when people are on cannabis or maybe even nicotine or uh, psychedelics or stimulants or whatever. But uh, I do think if someone's severely traumatized or maybe with the right gene profile, they might be able to get experiences like that. Especially in the case of the combination of those two. Because I think trauma is not that different from, like, doing salvia or something like that. I feel like that those things even overlap in mechanisms. If you've read my uh, posts, that's something I argue constantly. But, um... So to kind of uh bring uh like a I guess a brighter part of the story in my case is that I consumed uh psilocybin one day and it just completely wiped away that whole uh festering delusional perspective where I had this persecutory mentality that it just kind of snapped me out of it and I was able to go back into situations and change them. I was able to act differently in a way that other people would follow suit. And so, so actually, let's get into something very strange here. This is something I talk about much less often, but it's kind of trippy to think about. Um, I think it's possible, well, not even possible, I think that the realm that psychopaths live in, their supposed manipulative realm and how they're charming and uh, deceptive, I think that it is the same kind of problem that the schizophrenic finds themselves often in, like that persecutory one, the way that people find themselves in self-fulfilling prophecies, except I think that the psychopath is on the opposite end of the spectrum, that they are perhaps uh, in a kind of confidence version of the self-fulfilling prophecy, that they are kind of getting the people around them to um, like them and uh, getting themselves into better job positions or gaining power over other people based on things like their, just their tone of voice and their demeanor and uh, the way that they speak to people, the word choices they make. I think it's the same kind of uh, situation. It's just not social defeat. Instead, it is kind of social winning in a way sometimes. Like, that's kind of overgeneralizing. I think a lot of different problems would fit into what we call psychopath, like someone like a person who's killing people. I don't, that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about more, more of the situation of like the confident, charming, manipulative person. Um, and those people may often learn how to, instead of ending up as the person being gaslit or scapegoated, they learn how to scapegoat other people. They learn how to make other people lose around them. And then perhaps the ones, the victims, who have PTSD over those situations uh, are the ones that will end up schizophrenic. And uh, I think some of the uh, risk factors for psychopathy and schizophrenia are actually the same. It's just a kind of fork in the road where someone can either... Uh, cycle out and become totally defeated and become the victim, the perpetual victim who is persecuted by society that is plotting against them and everyone is against them, right? Or you spiral out into total uh, dominance and have power over other people and victimize other people and you become no longer close to other people in a way that is very Machiavellian. Like you live in a realm that other people can't be trusted in a sense, like you can't trust them enough to bond with them and actually form an empathetic relationship. But instead, you basically work to farm people in your life. You learn how to get people to do what you want and, uh, without developing kinship or friendship or whatever. I mean, I think... I'm not really convinced of... I, I have problems with the idea of psychopathy, though. And even with narcissism and all these different labels. I think those are relative. Uh, like, I think the way that a lot of people might like a narcissistic person and then a lot of people hate them, I think that it's possible that the people that like them are having a more genuine, uh, kind of either connection or likingness of them. Whereas the people who call them the, nar- who've labeled that person a narcissist, they might have genuinely had really bad experiences with that person. Like you could imagine that, say, there's a person labeled as a, as a narcissist and they, they're they completely loyal to one person, but then they're completely not loyal to another person that they don't like or something like that. And then there might be a bunch of people around them who like that narcissistic person but then the person who is not getting it good might totally hate the person and they're like no you're all being tricked that person is not good like you think and then I mean that kind of opens up this whole tribal realm where people might fight over whether or not that person is bad or good and they'll disagree and they'll turn against each other and so on, but I think that it's way more relative it's just, it's more like like if you look at the way that politics is going right now, both sides of the left and the right are basically narcissistic towards each other, and it's basically that the country is in this crazy toxic relationship. but I don't think that that means that that like every single person has just become narcissistic now. I mean, in a sense, yes, but it's not that, like, we should not identify people with these labels. Like, even with psychopathy, I think it is a relative contextual situational problem. And if you look up, if you look up on, I think it was on Wikipedia I saw, I haven't actually read too much, I only recently found it on Wikipedia, but there's actually been arguments that, The problem of the definition of antisocial and psychopathic behavior is that it might be ignoring contextual factors heavily, that it is actually a bias and it is illogical, that the concept of psychopathy and antisocial personality is uh, illogical, but... uh, Go check that out. Go look up antisocial personality and you'll find there's a section on the criticisms or something. But it kind of touches on basically some of the same stuff I'm saying here. And we've kind of found ourselves in this place in the country where like, like, what if we literally go to war? It's like then both sides are not just narcissistic. They're literally psychopathic murderers if we start killing each other, that's literally what's going on now. And I still think it's contextual, though. I don't think... Like, it's it's clearly a lot of people being upset, and I don't think it's just the people who are naturally supposed to be psychopathic, right? I think it's more that... Um, that, I, that it's context, that... a lot of people can find themselves coming to the point of killing or becoming the narcissist or becoming borderline or whatever all based on what their life is like and I think it's that the psychologists have struggled to understand a lot of people's context even in the case of schizophrenia I think that that is even a context like we know that Um, there are environmental factors that it's not purely genetic and I think that someone could actually escape schizophrenia and there's already been some studies mentioning that even without medication uh, after like 10 years of diagnosis a lot of people start recovering and they don't have episodes as much anymore and I think the problem is that there's so much self-fulfilling prophecies and so much like i think so much of our experience is based on mental scripting and looping and kind of like where we started in the beginning of this podcast the whole that we're locked into these mental addictions and ptsd's and our lives are just on stuck on repeat so i think that things seem to be a permanent problem but it is not so i think it is possible to escape i think it's just There's too many things that go against escaping. I think part of it is that if people were to escape, their experience of reality might be so dramatically different that it is like being very high on drugs. I think that the way that that people take drugs and experience a different mode of reality, I think that it would be similar to that. I think that would maybe even shock or disturb people. Like they would be like, "Oh my God, this is so wrong right now. I can't can't do this. What is that I like, am I going crazy? you know? Like I think that would happen if people were to let leave behind their repetitious way of living. And I think that's why they are driven to do it in many cases. I don't think it is the case for every situation or every repetitious behavior, though. I think it is the case for some of them. And I think some of the other problems that go on that go on in our society and with people is that they assume that there is no escape. They assume that they can predict their own future and they just start living in their own predictions. And then there is no escape because it's just assumed to be the case. And I think that is an illusion. I think it is the same type of illusion like the hollow mask illusion in which someone keeps seeing Confirmation that uh, people's faces is always facing towards you, so then you see a hollow mask, and the illusion is that you see it facing towards you, despite the fact that it's not. I think it is because you've been you've experienced so much confirmation that now you can't really escape it, and so I think. The internet is really taking us to a point where everyone is having different beliefs and different ways of life, and it's all being exposed to each other, and we're kind of seeing a devolvement or devolution of our culture, of our supposed consensus world that might have been uh, indoctrinated to people through television and mainstream Culture. I don't know if that that could have been illusion an illusion in the first place, though. That every all the other subcultures maybe lived in the shadows and had their own little cults going on in the background, but um, but perhaps the internet is unveiling the fact that that was the case, and now a lot of people are sticking up for themselves and arguing that they should have the right to live in their subculture and that. Uh, that the mainstream should not have such looming power over the other subcultures and all that. Okay, so I'm going to actually uh, kind of stop that now. Um, Hope that you find this interesting. And uh, another shout-out to the 11 Patreons. Thank you for... Uh, your contributions um, some of you mentioned that I should do the podcast more so I'm doing that and I actually enjoy it now I used to be kind of anxious about my recording setup was kind of ruined and I really liked to do the live streams at the same time but the way to route the recording and have my mic show up both on the recording and the discord server and also allow for uh other people to uh speak and allow me to hear them through my headphones and allow that speaker to be recorded it was just like a crazy mess before but um so now everything's kind of working much better so i'm probably going to be doing these more often i've i saved the whole schematic for how to set up the audio this time and um yeah, so, and I've been working on kind of learning how to mix the audio of my voice into the, uh, so that it doesn't do this S thing, right? Like, probably the way that uh, you hear it live is probably still S's because my mic is annoying, but I learned how to DS, and so hopefully that's going to improve. Uh, in other news, I've been working on a possible publication with a grad student and not only is there a grad student but there is someone who I won't mention yet because what's well, actually two people two well even three popular psychedelic researchers that I'm uh kind of working with on this project but I don't want to say their names yet because I don't know can't Honestly, I'm like still like not sure uh how certain this will be, like I don't know if it's going to get published, and like the I have disagreements honestly with some of the ideas that are in the the that are floating around in the project, so it's like I am kind of confronted with the situation where I don't know if I should speak up and try to challenge everything, but it's like I also feel like that could ruin the project but I think that I'm going to, I'm basically going to bring stuff up and try to see if um, if that can be settled, I think it can but there's so much going on, so there's also this thing called Psychedel X which is a talk thing it's like a, what do you want to call it, it's kind of like TEDx, right, that's why it's called Psychedel X um so that's coming up. I haven't talked about it before, but I'm going to be coaching some of the people that are writers that are submitting their novel research ideas in the world of psychedelic research. And so I coaching I'm coaching like four, I think three or four people. One of them already reached out to me and I started talking to them. Um I also submitted a presentation myself, but I will not be competing. That was the condition that uh, I decided to coach instead of being part of the competition. And a lot of people were telling me that they wanted me to do the coaching. And, yeah, so I'm doing that. Um, I think that some interesting people are involved in that project, like Robin Carr Harris, I think, has been... uh, associated to the project uh some of the people in this network that I'm in they've had connections to like Michael Pollan um some other people that I'm not thinking of and uh yeah it's been really interesting though so that's coming up and I want to I'll be sharing more about that because I want to show you guys about those presentations like where you can see them uh I don't know how the setup's gonna go. Like I don't know if there's voting or how any of that works yet. But this thing is gonna be in like a month or two. I think I uh, I would guess um between a month and a month and a half or something like that. I'm also about to start university again. It's gonna be my last uh, the last time no my last semester before I graduate and move on to hopefully a. PhD program uh, so that'll be pretty exciting um, yeah so contact me with any ideas you have any things you want to ask and I love hearing feedback and uh, support the project on Patreon and you'll get access to some of the, I've been, I was sent an EEG, I already mentioned it before, I just briefly mentioned it again, and so I've been like collecting EEG data and doing that while I try medicinal ketamine, which is freaky, to be honest, but okay, so I wrote in detail trip reports, uh, took a bunch of pictures of Artisticish kind of photos of the forest that I did this in and um, you could see the EEG device, the EEG data and all that. So yeah uh, I hope that all you guys are doing well out there in these just crazy times. It's pretty rough but I think things are starting to get a little bit better-ish hopefully or maybe they're getting crazier, I don't know but I will all make it through this and the ones that don't uh, will be at eternal peace, I suppose. But yeah, so I'll talk to you guys later.